I guess not holding on too tight as well. Like I love my business, I'm so passionate about it, but um, it's also about when you hold on too tight sometimes you just don't allow the, the energy flow. And it's funny, sometimes when I've been worried about clients, I'll go and take my dog for a walk at Hayes Paddock where I bump into you, Nikki. I will be listening to music or something and I'll just think to myself, okay, what do you need right now? What do you need next? And I'll just put out and just say, I would like, you know, to have three client inquiries in the next three weeks. And you know what? It generally always happens. It's about intention, being intentional sometimes and asking for something because I think when we're restricted and we're not in flow with our energy, we we're actually not in tune with our, the intuition of our business. Welcome to the third episode of the Chief Medichicks podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Scriven. I'm the founder of Chief Medichicks, a business I launched in late 2022 after a long career as an executive in business, marketing and branding, and most recently as the CEO of Zenith Media. Chief Metachicks is a community and a movement designed to level the playing field for women in business, leadership and technology. Our mission is to unlock and unleash the power of women by upskilling them in Web3 and AI technologies through education and training and providing them with the tools and knowledge they need to thrive in the digital age. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, Chief Metachicks offers a wealth of resources and inspiration to help you develop and scale your business initiatives and leadership skills. And this podcast aims to bring inspiration and insight to our listeners as we delve into the stories and journeys of female founders, entrepreneurs, and leaders. We will share their highs and lows, trials and tribulations, key learnings, and pivotal moments. To get us underway, today I'm going to be interviewing Catherine Elliott. Catherine is the founder of the Alcohol Mindset Coach. She has a career background of 25 to 30 years in media and PR. She is a breast cancer survivor and thriver, and she made the conscious decision to lead a more purposeful life and to explore her relationship with alcohol, which led her to create her own business to support individuals to explore their relationship with alcohol and make changes to create positive impacts on their mental and emotional health, productivity, personal lives, and careers. Catherine delivers her program to individuals and corporates and features regularly in the media. This interview covers a number of important topics, including the importance of passion and purpose when embarking upon your own business, the art and importance of storytelling, how being authentic, genuine, and vulnerable can be your superpower, and the importance of not holding on too tight to enable the energy of your business to flow. So without further ado, Let's jump into the episode with Catherine Elliott, the Alcohol Mindset Coach. Hello and welcome to the Chief Metachicks podcast. And today I have Catherine Elliott, uh, the Alcohol Mindset Coach with us. Catherine, welcome. Thank you, Nikki. I'm so happy to be here on uh, Chief Metachicks podcast. Brilliant. So to kick us off, uh, Catherine, we'd love to know um, a bit more about your career journey and your background um, and how you came to be doing what you're doing. So do you want to give us the highlights? Yeah, sure. So my career for probably uh, 25 to 30 years was uh, in media and PR. I worked in a number of PR consultancies from about the age of 25, including um, a large consultancy called the PR Edge, which was part of the Cleminger Group. And then you and I obviously met when I was working uh, as a general manager for um, a PR consultancy that was um, based in where Zenith Media was. So I've always been, uh, I guess, very fond of... Um, Media, writing, uh, event management, uh, communicating through the use of, of language and um, even interviews. So that was really my first sort of career, which I really, I really enjoyed. Uh, was it purposeful and an area I was completely passionate about? No. And I think I probably knew the answer to that. And look, 
life changes as you go through different phases, right? So as I went into my 40s, I think I just started to question, you know, what I was here on the planet for and um, I wanted to lead a more purposeful existence but I wasn't quite sure where that would lead me. And, of course, you never know what's going to happen in life but I, um, I was given a breast cancer diagnosis in my mid-40s and six weeks before that I decided to really reassess and look at my relationship with alcohol because I didn't feel it was in balance. I thought that the binge drinking episodes that I had had over many years of my life weren't part of who I wanted to be moving into this next phase of my life and so those two events, me deciding that I was going to take alcohol out of my life and then having a breast cancer diagnosis really turbocharged a whole lot of, I guess, spiritual and emotional growth for me and led me to absolutely deciding that there was this new possibility for a career for me because I didn't I, I didn't identify as a daily dependent drinker and I also was very high functioning, uh, it, you know, it wasn't affecting my work life hugely, my drinking at all. It was more a social sort of thing and affecting maybe the way I wanted to role model to my children. And so I saw a space in the gap and I thought I would love to be an alcohol coach so that I can support people similar to myself who are quite high functioning but they know that their alcohol use isn't in a place that they're happy with and that they want to do better in their life and that they want to expand and achieve more and that alcohol is actually holding them back. So I studied to be an alcohol coach through this Naked Mind in America because they were an organisation that I'd connected with early on in my journey when I had decided I wanted to look a bit more deeply at alcohol and its impact on the brain and the body and um, I did a sort of a a 30-day alcohol experiment with them and then decided to study and I set up my own business the alcohol mindset coach in July 2021 so that's you know just up just on two years ago now and it really has gone from strength to strength and uh, I'm now very excited about the next phase of my growth of this business, which is to have greater impact through doing, I guess, webinars and workshops in corporates and in businesses to help people think about how small changes to their uh, drinking could actually have a huge impact on their, their mental health, their emotional health, their productivity, their professional lives and their career trajectory. Amazing. And yes, you you referenced earlier that we work together in the same office space. And, you know, we were both in the sort of advertising and marketing industry, which really has quite a a culture of socialising and alcohol is often present. So um, I'm interested in just the kind of what you're seeing as the cultural shift at the moment. I think, you know, coming in and out of the pandemic, I think a lot of people ended up having issues with alcohol because, you know, in the absence of not having the tools to deal with something like a global pandemic and and, um, being in lockdowns, a lot of people increased their drinking. How have you seen that sort of shift coming out the other side Um, and how are you seeing that being sort of referenced also in the corporate space that you're starting to work into? Yeah, it's really interesting, Nikki. This is a great question because I think the global pandemic really highlighted to people their reliance on using alcohol to numb and also for boredom and it was one of those things that people got into a habit of using a lot more regularly as well because they could they didn't have to show up to work Um, and because we weren't going out socially which is where people normally give themselves that you know acceptance to drink people started to drink a lot more at home and they started to drink earlier in the day and it became this dependency. And I've, you know, I've had a number of clients who've come to me since that point to say that, yes, I noticed a real change in my drinking habits because of the of the pandemic. And then once we came out of the pandemic, 
I actually couldn't rein myself back in. I felt like I had a real physical and emotional emotional dependency on alcohol and that often there was a whole level of anxiety about stopping that. So I think people are very much more looking at their their use of alcohol since since then. The media, you know, have obviously had a big role to play in opening up the conversation around uh, alcohol use and its association with mental health as well. And, it, it, you know, this can only really be a good thing. And I think the other really interesting thing that we're seeing in Australian culture is younger Australians are drinking a lot less than previous generations. So, you know, you and I were teenagers in the 80s and 90s. And of course, binge drinking was rife back then and it was it was encouraged and celebrated. And although there's obviously still uh, binge drinking that goes on in that in, in that age group, there are a lot more, uh, I guess, millennials who are choosing to be sober curious, to choose not to drink on certain, you know, days or nights, who are mixing their alcoholic with non-alcoholic options. And so there is a real shift in, you know, reliance of alcohol for, for, for everything and that people are just asking the question, you know, is this the best choice for my health? Yeah, it's interesting because when you first reached out to me and, you know, obviously you'd been operating your business for a bit and you saw what I was doing with Chief Medichicks and you reached out to me and you, I'll, I'll never forget, you said, this is not a conversation many people want to have. And I can see you're getting a lot of coverage now. You know, you were featured recently on Channel 7. You're getting a lot of media pickup. And it feels like it is a conversation that organisations and the media are starting to have. And that's in quite a short period of time. How have you noticed that shift? Yeah, look, there really has been a shift, I think, even in the last 12 months that media really do want to have this conversation. I think some of that has to do with uh, what's happened with with the pandemic, but I also think it's because the culture is changing and that it isn't necessarily about quitting drinking. It's about shifting choices around drinking. So you can choose on one night not to drink at all and maybe you might have a drink or two the following, um, you know, the following night, that it's okay to say no and that it's really important in this I guess in this kind of, you know, inclusive environment that we start to respect people's choices because what's happened in the past in Australia is that it's been looked upon as, oh, you're boring, you know, fun uh, if you choose not to drink and often people get ridiculed and don't feel included and that's why I'm very passionate about the role that corporates and workplace and employers can have in this conversation so that everyone feels accepted and that alcohol isn't the dominant activity that's always pushed down people's throats um particularly if you don't drink for you know religious reasons or whatever it might be um it's about getting more creative about how we celebrate as well it doesn't always have to be around drinking champagne or beer there can be other ways of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So talk us through the timing. You mentioned earlier, you know, your corporate career and then you sort of had this epiphany to decide that you didn't want alcohol in your life and then unfortunately had a, a breast cancer diagnosis six weeks later. At what point did you make the decision that I'm going to leave my corporate employment and what was the timeline between that and coming up with this business idea? Yes. Yeah, so when I was first diagnosed with breast cancer, I, I I was still working in my PR role. And so I went through some of my chemotherapy whilst I was working. And it was then that I decided, you know, what's important in life right now in the present. And for me, it was really just about connecting with friends and family and loved ones and doing the things that I really enjoyed, which was exercise and yoga and you know making myself nutritionally really you know good meals and walking my dog and so for once in my life and I was lucky I was able to do it as well because I actually had income protection insurance which was fantastic and so I just said you know what I'm going to take an extended break from work and focus on my health uh, and I was really, I feel very privileged that I was able to do that. And I guess as I went through treatment and went through that um, experience, 
I started to change. I, I changed so much. And even though I had such a fabulous relationship with Lara, who we both know, who was um, my boss, it, it became very apparent to me that her business had changed and diversified uh, and that I, for me it was like I want to do something where I'm bringing this lived experience of my breast cancer experience and uh, choosing to lead an alcohol-free life into a role. And it was here that I, I, I found alcohol coaching and I thought it's perfect for me because it, I can use all of the experience and uh, work that I'd done in PR in my own business and many of the skills are, you know, kind of quite transferable in some ways. Um, and so I, it was then that I decided I was going to train to be an alcohol coach because I had also in my, I guess even more just for general interest, I had done a health coaching qualification in 2017 just because it was an area that I'm really kind of passionate and interested in. And so this really niched me down even further and I really just felt that there was such a gap in the market and I thought I feel like if I get onto this now that it's going to be something that people will want and there will be um, a real need for it and that's what I'm seeing now I'm seeing alcohol coaching becoming much more mainstream but also this you know opening up conversations in corporates is is starting as well um, as part of the, you know, the health and wellness and mental health pillar. Yeah, brilliant. And so you mentioned that you uh, noticed a gap in the market or, or sensed a gap in the market. So what market research did you do to assess the competition and and see this market opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it was pretty easy. I mean, alcohol coaching in Australia when I did the course in 2020. 21, uh, there were hardly any alcohol coaches in Australia. There were a lot of alcohol coaches more in America and the UK, but you could see this wave happening and often they're a little bit ahead of Australia in terms of um, the market. And I thought to myself, I, I feel like if I jump on this, and it was more an intuition than doing too much market research, but you could see it. It was growing in both these, these countries, which really similar to Australia in many ways with the culture, particularly the UK. Um, and the real niche for me was focusing on, you know, high-functioning professionals who were binge drinkers, so not necessarily rock-bottom drinkers, you know, really tapping into my own experience and knowing that actually there was nothing that I could see that resonated for me because the traditional forms of support such as rehab and um, AA, that's that wasn't me. I mean, I, I didn't need something like that, but I would have loved to have had someone that I could be coached by who'd had a lived experience of their own issue and had worked through it and was able to hold a, a space for me where I could explore my own relationship with alcohol and make changes to it. And, you know, by that I mean it is not about quitting drinking. It is about exploring your relationship with alcohol and making changes and it and often with clients it doesn't start with alcohol it starts with you know changes in themselves because often they've been so harsh on themselves and alcohol has been something that they've been shaming themselves about so sometimes it's actually about becoming less judgmental and more compassionate with yourself before we start to focus on the actual behavior interesting and so, I mean, it sounds like you were pretty clear. It was like a light bulb moment. But what gave you the courage to go, I'm going to give this a go? And did you have a fallback plan? <laughs> Such a good question. Do you know what? I feel like because I had had a cancer diagnosis and that had really made me question sort of my mortality in life and what it means taking the jump into a professional, you know, change like this didn't seem as scary because I'd literally just gone through one of the most personal sort of scary things you can go through. And so I more saw it as this really exciting opportunity and how amazing and how lucky I was that my health looked like it was tracking along really well. So for me, it was like, this is another 
chance in life to do something really exciting and uh, so that's that's the way that I saw it. Have I doubted myself? Yes, of course. How did it feel not to have any clients for a little while? Gosh, it's hard. I mean, even every, still every month, I wonder where's my next client going to come from, you know, and that's, that's scary. But I'm learning to trust the process more because now I have, you know, two years of data that shows me I, I do get clients every single month. And sometimes I get more than others, but there's always something that comes through. And I really trust the process and trust that if I, stick to who I am as a person and I'm natural with my communication and genuine and authentic as a coach, that's the most important thing. My people come to me. It's when I'm trying to pretend that I'm someone I'm not or I get caught in my ego and start looking at other coaches and thinking I should be doing that Instagram, you know, video or whatever or TikTok thing. It's about coming back to me and saying, what lights you up? Where are your strengths? And how are you best to communicate those? Yeah, interesting. And I mean, you're putting yourself out there. You're sharing your lived experience. That must be terrifying, very publicly sharing your lived experience. You know, I can't imagine what that would be like, yet you just take it in your stride. And I think that's what makes you so authentic and amazing. But talk us through where you got to, you know, that point where you went, yep, I'm going to be my own poster child. Yeah, that it's so true. The first time I really shared my story publicly was on Hello Sunday morning. Um, I actually approached the CEO uh, and asked him if he would be interested in sharing my story around binge drinking and breast cancer. It was during one of the lockdowns in Melbourne and he was sort of doing Google Hangouts and I guess a part of me thought, oh, the CEO from LA Sunday morning is not going to get back to me, but I'll give it a go. And, of course, he got straight back to me. <laughs> and he's like, you absolutely have a story to tell. Let's do this. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, this is happening. This is actually going to be broadcast. And, you know, it wasn't like it was a huge audience, but what it got me really clear on was, well, what am I prepared to to communicate, what aren't I, what is the importance of storytelling, people want to hear, you know, they they want you to be vulnerable, they want you to share uh, because I can tell my story without some of the, the nitty-gritty bits but that's what people really want to hear and that's actually what I want to share and, you know, I've done some work with, you know, spiritual coaches and I have been, you know, what has been told to me and what I've got is that my vulnerability is a superpower for me and so that is why I need to keep stepping into that space when I'm talking about my story because not everyone wants to or can do it. And so for me now, I, I'm used to doing it, but it's really funny because my parents were like, oh, my, you know, they, they've heard my story now but they didn't really know it <laughs> or understand the story completely. Um, and mum was like, I didn't realise that, you know, your drinking caused you so much angst or that this, this or this happened. And, you know, funnily enough, one of the one of the things that I swore I would never talk about publicly was that sometimes when I had really massive sort of binge drinking blowouts, I would wet the bed. And now I'm talking, I'm telling you, but I swore to myself, that is so mortifying, that is so shameful, I don't want anyone to know that. But the first time I talked about it, all these beautiful people reached out to me and said, thank you, thank you for saying it because that's my experience and I thought that I, there was something wrong with me. So this is where we bring it all out, we talk about it and, uh, you know, I, I enjoy it now. I, 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 I don't feel... I feel like as humans, the more we talk about the, sh the gritty, dark stuff, the more we connect and feel like we're, we're actually all doing the best we can in this experience of life. And it's through the challenging times that we all really connect more deeply. Um, and, you know, I think it's really easy to go into 
conversations with people oh hi I'm great you know the kids are amazing when really we know that none of that's true we're all got stuff that we're dealing with and it's better that we talk about it and that's what I try and role model through my my work that you know my lived experience and um, that life's still not perfect either even though I choose not to drink anymore I still have a lot of challenges in my life but in my experience being alcohol free means that I'm much better equipped to deal with them. Amazing and I think you've touched on a really important point for any business and any brand it's the storytelling and the authenticity and and that's what creates the emotional connection and that's what encourages people to sort of lean in and and tap into your services because they understand your why. So I think um, yeah you've just highlighted something that's been evident to me for a long time and something that we support a lot of people with their business proposition is you know the storytelling and the why and uh you've just nailed that one (laughs) so well done that's good that's one part of my one part of the business I'm very sure on (laughs) yeah yeah you know the comms I love it (laughs) but you know it's it's fascinating and it 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 comes to me time and time again, particularly, you know, dealing with founders and, you know, people start businesses from all sorts of different experiences. But those that have worked in marketing or comms know how to position their businesses and know that if you can't tell your story or, um, you know, tell the world about your products and services, no one can buy from you because they don't know who you are. And that just amazes me when you think about leadership and, you know, CEOs in many organisations, they don't, you know, they come through finance or, you know, being a CFO or accounting, they rarely come through a marketing stream. Yet without having some form of marketing knowledge, how do you build brand equity and um, you know, you you kind of get trapped into discounting behaviour. So I just find I just find it fascinating all the time. And and some of the most successful founders that we deal with are those that have got a marketing or a communications background because they know how to tell their stories. So you've just you know reinforced that for me. Thanks, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's so true. I mean, that word storyteller gets used so much now, but it is very powerful if you know and own and are connected authentically to what that story is you know you actually can't go wrong more from Catherine in a minute recently i had the pleasure of chatting with lizzie whaley of sunday body we spoke about building resilience leaning into what you don't know and learning fast letting go of perfectionism and building nurturing and staying true to your brand to create competitive advantage and protection here's a little snippet from the episode And can you share with us a bit of the timeline? So it feels like an overnight success to everyone else, but, you know, those that are founders know that a business takes time to grow. And you would have had tooling and packaging and design and all of those things to manage through. Had you already created your packaging and the the dispenser unit before you pitched to Woolworths and Priceline or did you have an idea and you just kind of winged it and then once you got the order, you went full steam ahead? No, we definitely, we had a concept. So essentially it was 18 months in the making and it was 18 months of finalising fragrances, packaging. We had to purchase a tooling machine to actually make our whipped cream caps. Um, So I I genuinely thought you could just purchase that off the shelf. It's very naive of me, but we had to make, get a tool made um, and then ship it to a plastic moulder who then sort of makes the caps. Um, So that was all very, very time consuming. When we pitched to Woolworths, we had the concept. I had a white can and I had a 3D print of the cap. So I didn't even have the final cap. And so basically I was selling a concept, um, which we did, you know, designers are amazing and we wouldn't have been able to do it without their amazing Photoshop skills to sort of Photoshop the artwork onto what the can would look like so that they had a visual um, of the branding and the product. Um, But effectively, what we sent them in terms of samples was a plain white can with our formula inside and a 3D print of the cap. You can listen to that brilliant chat with Lizzie Whaley by going to chiefmetachicks.com slash podcasts or subscribing to the show. Okay, let's get back to our amazing guest, Catherine Elliott. Yeah, 100%. So you've been involved in our Pitch and Grow coaching program for about four months now, um, and you were one of the first ones on it. Um, And I remember when 
you pitched to us, you sort of discussed, you know, how what you do is one-on-one and and where you were sort of looking for support was in how you grow and scale your business. And and you're obviously making some strides in the, the corporate space. One of the areas that we discussed with you, I think at the time um, in your pitch session was that, you know, your business is not Web3, but there's potentially a Web3 application down the track where, you know, people can be represented by an avatar and, and maintain their, um, you know, their personal uh, identity is not necessarily shared with others. Um, where are you at with that? Is that something that's in your plan where you can deliver sort of one-to-many and allow people to be anonymous or is your preference to actually ensure people own it and and how are you scaling your business? It's definitely in the plan for down the track because confidentiality is really important to my niche they don't want to work in sort of groups amongst other people because they are very protective of who they are what they do and they also want to fast track their their development so they want to do that direct one-on-one where they're working in that container so absolutely I can see how powerful an avatar would be for you know, people all over all over the world to be able to access something like that. Before I get to that point, though, I really need to do more work in corporates so that they are aware that I have impact, that um, my messaging is really starting to have that ripple effect, I guess, because the one-on-one work that I do, I get a lot of referrals through the one-on-one work that I do, but... I'm so passionate about how changes to your drinking and relationship with alcohol can have a massive ripple effect on every area of your life that by going into corporate Australia and to businesses, I feel there's a captive audience there and there are people who wouldn't necessarily seek out my services who can very much benefit from the messaging that I communicate. Yeah, I think it's brilliant and I think the advertising industry needs it. <laughs> you know, having worked many, many years of or decades even of my career in the, the media and advertising industry where everything everything involved alcohol, you know, and it, it was just part of the, the culture and the norm. And then, you know, we started seeing some shifts and changes, um, particularly, as you say, with the the younger audience, and then also some um, some religious cultures. Drinking is not a part of their culture, and you know, as an organisation, we really had to sort of take a step back and go, okay, you know, when we're celebrating, whether it's a Christmas party or celebrating an event or a pitch win or whatever it is, it you know, we've it just doesn't have to always have alcohol. <laughs> you know, it's a big shift. Oh, it, it absolutely is, and you know, we don't have to have an open bar you know, open 24-7. We don't have to be pushing the drinks trolley around at 3 o'clock on a Friday. I mean, these are all things we get into the habit of doing things. But the other thing is we don't know what someone is going through sometimes, that they may have a problem, and we're actually enabling it by offering drinks, you know, early in the day or or having a lot of drinks at lunch. So I think, you know, these these are questions that start to come up and also I think the other thing that's really important is people say no when they're not drinking. It's just it's respect about someone's decision and choice that they make as we respect other choices and that we don't need to be ridiculed or made to feel like, you know, we're less than or not part of. And this is the other thing that, you know, uh, the conversation around how people feel very left out sometimes in, in corporate culture because they're not one of the partiers, the drinkers, or that there's a group and that to be in that group you actually need to drink to feel included. Yeah, so important. So your two years since you've launched your business, um, you know, the first year of any business is, you know, ups and downs and, and like you say, you know, where's the next customer coming from? Um, what lessons, what key lessons have you learnt along the way and how have you learnt to ride those highs and lows and um, manage the stress of, cash flow in the early days yeah these are such great questions because when you're you know only in your business on your own it's it's a lonely place to be sometimes 
I think the thing that really helped me was that through my course, I made friends with a number of other alcohol coaches all over the world and a, a really great group in Australia. And we've now set up a group called Alcohol Coaches Australia. And so we were really there to support one another, uh, particularly in the early days, just in terms of confidence, in terms of uh you know, self-worth that just because you don't get clients sometimes doesn't mean anything about about you. It's actually quite difficult to even get people educated around alcohol coaching and how it and how it works and how it can be of value. And I think for me it was about celebrating the small wins as well. You know, the first time I got a, you know, a booking for a 45 minute uh, discovery call for a potential client through my website like that was just like that moment where your heart literally like oh my god and it was a man from America as well so it was an overseas so I was beside myself and then I thought well maybe it's an accident maybe he doesn't really <laughs> want to talk to me and he was the first big I signed my signature program to him which was 16 sessions and he was this beautiful man based in California and I will never forget that moment because that was when I was like this is actually awesome and and then I had to do the coaching and then I you know and now that I've had all this experience of hundreds of clients I feel like I'm a, a you know an experienced coach but at the time I was like well I don't have that experience but then I tap into you know what I have a lot of life experience I've had the experience of working through my drinking. I've created all these incredible programs. I've done all my study. And so it's just about reminding yourself sometimes when your brain starts to take you off somewhere. And I think, look, financially, I always come back to, yes, we all need money to live and for freedom and for choice, but it's not the only value that there is in life. And I also know that when there's a month where I may not be as busy with clients, there's a lot of other stuff that I can do that I put out into, you know, into the world through my podcast interviews, through media articles, um, and that's contributing to my message and you know the greater the greater good as well. I do some work um, with Hello Sunday Morning, which is um, you know voluntary work. And so I'm very big into putting back into the community as well. So I've got the Breast Cancer Network of Australia's Field of Women event this Sunday. I'll be on the MCG. Uh, and so it's also about not, I guess, not holding on too tight as well. Like I love my business. I'm so passionate about it. But um, it's also about when you hold on too tight, sometimes you just don't allow the the energy flow. And it's funny, sometimes when I've been worried about clients, I'll go and take my dog for a walk at Hayes Paddock where I bump into you. <laughs> I love it. I will be listening to music or something and I'll just think to myself, okay, what do you need right now? What do you need next? And I'll just put out and just say, I would like, you know, to have three client inquiries in the next three weeks and you know what it generally always happens it's about intention being intentional sometimes and asking for something because I think when we're restricted and we're not in flow with our energy we we're actually not in tune with our the intuition of our business and so it's telling us something so I'm really intuitive with the way that I operate as well so I actually I always feel like something is happening for me not to me so even, mm. even when I lose a client or someone pulls out at the last minute and I've been relying on that money, I never say, oh, you know, I, I never go into victim mode. I'm like, okay, that's okay. I can't do anything about that. So what's the next thing that I can do? That's happened for a reason and it, it, it feels better than thinking that, you know, something's happening to us. Yeah, that's a really important mindset, I think, particularly in the early stages of business and, and for founders who were, you know, bootstrapping it and, you know, doing what they can to get their business up and running. I think that's really sound and wise advice. One of the things you rather uh, just touched on then too was how you sort of tapped into um, 
you know, a support network. Um, and I think, you know, a conversation that you and I have had previously is, is the power of networking, not just the support network, but how do you expand your networks? And I know that's one of the things that you've, um, you've definitely found is of value through our program. Do you want to talk us through, um, you know, your experience of networking and, and what you originally thought and what you've since learnt? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I'm very, I'm famous for the quote that I only network with people that I know. <laughs> which is not networking, right? Um, so for some reason I've always found it one of those things a bit awkward uh, and I, I think it's often when I've gone to events it's felt, you know, people hand out their card and it feels like it's not a natural sort of conversation. But I think the incredible thing that I've learned through this coaching through Chief Metachicks and in particular with my mentors, has just been this incredible way of connecting and networking through through trust and through respect and through connections. And that when you're recommended through connections and through that trust network, that there's just incredible opportunities. You obviously have to, uh, you know, sell yourself and and. and uh, it's often based off impressions that people get when they first meet you. Uh, but I have just been so impressed by the generosity of the coaches and their introductions and also just the beautiful supportive words and recommend recommendations that they have provided. And it's allowed me to really push myself into an area that I was uncomfortable with. You know, I've got my spreadsheet that's got all my, you know, names on now and following up and networking and who referred me and where I'm at. And I love it now because it's opened up so many new opportunities and connections that I never would have had. And it's actually given me a lot more confidence in this big corporate world that, I wasn't sure how I would fit in and now I know that I absolutely have a place there and also that my worth, even my financial worth of you know, how you charge and what you're, even that was a really difficult scenario for me to work out. And through my mentors, through Chief Menachicks, I've really been able to do some great work on, on that too, which has really helped me upscale too in terms of what I can see for this business in the future too it's been amazing brilliant I'm glad it's been helpful um I'm keen to know this is one of my favorite questions for any of our guests what didn't you know that you didn't know and how have you plugged those gaps Is that like a blind spot? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah well I mean often we go into business or experiences and, you know, it's fine when you know what you don't know, but what do you not know that you didn't know you know, <laughs> that you didn't know that you didn't know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I think there's probably still so much that is sitting there underneath in a black spot that I don't know. But I think I think for me through working with the mentors I was not aware really of this, I don't know, this support that you can really tap into. Um, I think I'd got into this mindset of having to do all myself and that there is this incredible network that you can tap into and people want to help and support you. I think sometimes you get into your head that everyone's in things for themselves and um, I, particularly as a sole business owner, I have I have to work hard and I have to do everything. And I think the thing that I've been really, uh, I guess, reminded of and even shown is that, no, it's actually there's a collective here as well. Even if you are in business on your own, there's this collective who's really there to support you. And I think that can really help drive your business because you can't do things on your own. That's the thing. Most people do not do it on their own, but you think sometimes that you have to do it on your own. Um, so I think that's that's been something that, that 
I have really, yeah, learnt a lot more about during this process. Brilliant. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I think when you're experienced and, and like you, you know, my my background was very much in the corporate and the bigger organisations and I've certainly discovered the, the same thing when you shift into that entrepreneurial founder space. People are really willing to help you out. It's not necessarily the case because it's much more competitive in a corporate environment mm-hmm. where if someone gives you a leg up, they might be perceiving it as holding them back. And and so there's less willingness to give you a leg up, um, whereas I've certainly found in this founder entrepreneurial and web three space there's just such an appetite to support and to particularly to support women and so it's just there's just so much more generosity of spirit and you know all the coaches are super passionate about helping other women be it in leadership or in in business and so there is that willingness so I'm I'm very pleased to hear that you've experienced that and it's it's my experience too yeah that's great um so what do you think has been the key to your success and what had you learned in your career prior that really set you up, do you think? I, I think the key to my success has been, I mean, I, I, mean, I think it's all about taking risks and being courageous um, and knowing that I feel like I've just hopped into an area just before it really fully takes off in a way. Um, so, I, you know, I am really proud of myself for doing that because there was a voice in my head at, you know, 47 that was like, oh, gosh, you know, a change of career now. How can you be doing that? But, again, I feel like I've never been more, you know, productive, clear, creative at, you know, I turned 51 this year and it's like this is just the beginning of another really exciting career and sometimes we put limitations on ourselves because of age or life phase or whatever it is and I feel like there's so much wisdom gathered from all of the previous experience that I've had that this is actually going to be the best yet and well, in terms of what I've brought from my, you know, my previous experience, I mean, so much all the, you know, all the media and interviews and all of that work that I do and the, I guess, the confidence and clarity of message that I have, that's all come from years of working in, in that industry. And the best thing is, is that I'm actually selling, I'm selling myself really. Um, and I'm selling a vulnerable part of myself, but I know that I can't really get that message wrong um, as long as I stay true to it and I don't, you know, try and be anything that I'm not. And, yes, there's a vulnerability and you can't sometimes you think, oh, my gosh, is my ex-boyfriend of 30 years listening to this? (laughs) (laughs) What happened? But you know what? That's great because (laughs) this is who I am, you know? Hello. I love it. That's so good. (laughs) I love it. Um, keen to know what excites you most about your journey. I mean, I think we've got a fair flavour of it. But, you know, you've been on this incredible path. You've had some um, forks in the road. What excites you most about your journey? I think just being in the in this bit right now, I am super excited because I can see you hear about people talking about when their business was just about to take off and I feel like that's where I am. I'm at this real juncture. I I did really well with the one-on-one coaching and just getting the leads and now I'm starting to get booked for corporate gigs and I'm partnering with another coach in Sydney and there's all of this and it feels like there's something really amazing is starting to open up and the thing that I'm trying to be really cognizant of is just being present in that and not wanting to it to be, you know, massive and not wanting it to grow yet, just actually enjoying the process of what this is right now. And that's what I that that's what I'm trying to do. Um, because a lot of, you know, when I've read people's stories in the past about, you know, their businesses or they've actually said, you know, it's actually all about the the journey and the experience through. It's not the destination. And for me, there isn't a destination. For me, 
it is doing this work that I'm so passionate about and I love and I want to keep communicating and getting it out there to as many people as possible. You know, I just, just before our, our interview, I, you know, I started with a new client and the last few words, the last three words she said to me, was she, I'm so glad I've connected with you. This is going to be amazing for my life. You know, that, that's why I do all of this. It's to help change people's lives so they feel better about who they, who they are. Brilliant. Love it. And just a final question, what advice do you have for aspiring women entrepreneurs who are just starting their journey? Two pieces of advice. There are so many incredible mentors and women who, and men, and anyone of any gender, who want to help you and support you. But sometimes you have to ask. And that was the thing that I learned. You have to ask for support sometimes and that you have an amazing network here, Chief Medichicks, of incredibly passionate, knowledgeable, amazing people of all ages who are at all different phases of their business journey, have so much experience. There's an amazing network here to tap into and I'm just so grateful for it. So thank you, Nikki. You're amazing. And thank you. Uh, yeah, you should yeah, you should just feel really proud of, of what you've done with Chief Medicines. It's incredible. Oh, thank you. Well, hopefully it's just the start and hopefully we can add more value to many, many more people. But, um, you know, we're so thrilled to have you in the network. And, you know, I, I had a, a meeting with you earlier where I was introducing you to another one of our members and already that networking between the two of you is is happening and it just warms my heart because that's what this is all about. This is about learning about each other's businesses and finding those opportunities to help each other scale and grow. So um, thank you for your lovely words at the end there. That was unexpected, but (laughs) very much appreciated. And, you know, just so thrilled to be part of your journey and to continue to support you. Thanks. It's been great. Well, there we have it. Our third Chief Metachicks podcast. Key takeouts are do something that you're passionate about, be authentic and genuine in your storytelling, Don't hold on too tight. Trust in your vision. Celebrate the small wins and connect and network through trust and respect. All the links and resources for the full episode can be found at chiefmetachicks.com slash podcasts. We'd also love you to rate the episode and podcast on iTunes or your favourite platform. It really does help with rankings and getting our messages and learnings out to as many people as possible. If you'd like to get your wings on too, then you can join at chiefmetachicks.com. And if you're interested in applying for our Pitch and Grow coaching program with our Chief Metachicks leaders, then please reach out at info at chiefmetachicks.com.